Hi, and welcome to Captivated Audience, the podcast where we look at various topics on financial crime prevention. This time, I have the pleasure of being joined by Mark Gilmartin, who is an expert consultant for EFI Limited. This is part two of my discussion with Mark. This time, we take a look at topologies, tactics, and Mark provides some useful tips on how to spot red flags that might indicate tax evasion. Okay, Mark, we've covered some of the concepts in much more practical terms. Now, that's really helpful. A number of us in the AML community often say that one of the most difficult things to train your staff on are typologies in relation to tax evasion. We're great on the AML typologies, not so much on the tax evasion ones. So for money laundering, we can describe someone who earns money selling drugs, as a simple example, then uses the bank system to launder the proceeds they receive from the sales by depositing them, let's say, into a bank account. Tax evasion isn't that simple, though, when it comes to topologies, is it? That's right. It's not simple and it's not easy. The tax evasion schemes that we see take many forms. There are the standard types which are replicated as a product and sold off the shelf as this product. For example, we've recently seen a lot in the UK press about loan schemes involving loans instead of earnings that are then subsequently written off and the proceeds are never taxed. Or a few years back, we had the film financing schemes, which created lots of losses that people got double deductions for or just never received any taxed income. But there are also many more that are bespoke schemes. These are often developed and designed in-house, say, a very wealthy family office type function. Now, these types don't necessarily exhibit any of the hallmarks that the standard schemes might have, and they could involve multiple financial institutions or FIs to ensure that no one FI has all the pieces of the jigsaw. These are always much harder to spot, and an FI could unwittingly find itself involved, but unable to identify the scheme or to make any SARS report that it was required to do. Right, so we've talked about the tactics. How about the evaders themselves? Well, like, like the schemes, the tax evaders themselves take many forms. They don't all look like the drug dealers in your example. It could be your sweet 90-year-old granny who just simply doesn't want to pay any tax. Or it could be the trust structure that exists. The beneficiaries receive money from it, but they may not even know themselves that the trust exists because a lot of them are very secretive. The payment may be routed via a third party and the trust existence or identity is never disclosed. We saw that with the Panama Papers where it was specifically written into the documents that the existence of the trust could not be disclosed by anyone. This is where it becomes difficult because it comes back to the the question of whether this is tax avoidance, which is legal, or whether it's actually tax evasion, which is not legal. So we've looked at some topologies. We've looked at who could potentially be a tax evader. Now we need to take that step back, right? So what are going to be the red flags, the hints that suggest we could have a customer or a transaction that warrants further investigation in relation to the tax residency of that customer or even the existing KYC held for a known customer? Can you give us any hints or suggestions in that respect? Well, one thing FATCA and the CRS have in common is the requirement that we know our customers and we check the information. So one possible red flag to consider would be where we find conflicts between information that's gathered directly from the customer and the information we would routinely get from other sources, for example, third parties, credit reference providers, those sorts of people and those sorts of discrepancies. 
Other sources of information differences could be between what is held on company's house or its equivalent in most territories, and then what the client provides. An uncooperative client would also be someone who would be raising a red flag because if they're not willing to give us our tax self-certification or they're slow to update this when their circumstances change, then there is the opportunity that there is some form of tax evasion or some form of missed reporting going on. So even certain circumstances where the client can't provide a reasonable explanation for these discrepancies, that should be seen as a red flag. Beyond that, I say this is where it's critical for the tax function or whoever is dealing with the AUI responsibilities to have a very close relationship with their AML and KYC colleagues because they tend to see information on a transactional basis, whereas AUI, it's only when we become aware of a change in circumstances. Mark, going back to the very beginning of our discussion, You've had extensive involvement, very proactive discussions with different government organizations and entities around more effective detection and prevention of tax evasion. So the European Banking Federation thinks there's a window of opportunity for this harmonization between tax and AML KYC. They've mentioned there's going to be this review by the OECD of CRS in 2020. What will be the magic ingredient that will be needed to successfully achieve some level of harmonization? You know, do you think there's a realistic prospect of this happening at this, this meeting this year? That's a very difficult one to call out. The calls for harmonization are not just coming from the EBF. It's a trend you know, within the industry. What we can say that will happen is that the global forum itself is responsible for monitoring the exchanges of data and seeing how the tax authorities are actually complying with the CRS. The next stage is that I would expect they'll review the implementation territory by territory and actually see how the tax authorities are using the information and how they're cooperating with one another. In respect of the OECD, I think they will then act on the Global Forum's findings. So if they're finding gaps either in the exchange process or that tax authorities are failing to meet their commitments, then they will essentially look at holding those countries to account. They're currently also looking at other aspects where they could consider that the CRS is not as broad as it needs to be. And that, for example, the particular one they give is the, what we call the gig economy. Now, this would be essentially where income might be flowing around the tax net, but escaping it. So, for example, someone renting a room under Airbnb or doing it as a commercial business under Airbnb, Uber drivers who are working casually, or cryptocurrency providers that are you know, kept essentially very, very secret. These are all on the OECD's radar, so we might see that these platform operators that, that operate these sorts of schemes, it won't just be the FIs that do reporting, but Airbnb might have to report on its letting agents, or that Uber might have to be reporting on its drivers. That's the kind of expansion that I think we're likely to see. Well, I think it's going to be interesting, especially with the European Banking Authority calling for consultation submissions, which will be due at the beginning of this summer on their guidelines, which support the 5AMLD. So let's hope that we have other tax experts like yourself, Mark, making contributions to that consultation, because I think the only way we're going to achieve that harmonization is if both the tax experts and the AML experts really push for trying to achieve a level of harmonization so we can leverage both our KYC obligations. 
Mark, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about what EFI Limited do and the services they offer their customers, feel free to visit their LinkedIn page, or you can go directly to their website at EFILimited.com. Until our next podcast for EFI Limited, have a great day.